listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Thank you, Pastor. Good evening. Last night, we were coming back from the lawn, or it's about this time, and we were driving on County Road 4, and uh, I looked up at the church and I said, well, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to be giving my testimony. And my wife recommended to me that I should keep it short and sweet. (laughs) But that's easier said than done. But having said that, I am going to set a timer so I don't get too windy. And not know about it. A couple months ago when Pastor Chelhog asked if I would be willing to share my testimony um, at a Lent service, I immediately said yes. I knew that there was absolutely no good reason why I wouldn't uh, want to do that, why I wouldn't be honored to do that, and I immediately said yes. But I'll be perfectly honest with you, it wasn't long after I hung up the phone and some doubt set in. And I thought, you know, what am I going to tell these people? See, I've always thought that I had kind of a boring testimony. And I grew up in a Christian home, Christian parents. um, Never got too far out on a limb. Never gave my parents too much grief. And personally, I've always liked the prodigal son testimonies. You know, where a, a guy grew up in a Christian home and turned his back on his faith, turned his back on his family, turned his back on his church. And, and drifted from the church and lived in sin and made some terrible decisions. And you know the type. They have one foot in the grave and the other foot on a banana peel. And they ask for the Lord to save them, and, and he does at the 11th, 11th hour, and the life is turned around and they're living for Christ. Those are the testimonies that I liked. Um, and that, that was a little bit different than mine. But, you know, after I started thinking this, I, I, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, Poor, poor, pitiful me and my boring testimony. Luke 15.10 says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents and comes to know the Lord. And then I also thought, you know, Christ sent his only son to die on a cross for me to pay a price for my sin that I can't pay. Shame on me to think that my testimony is boring. There is absolutely no boring testimony out there when you look at what God's grace is. So, thank you for allowing me to share my testimony tonight. I'm I'm actually excited for this. Um, What I'm going to do is tell you a little bit about uh, when I came to know the Lord as my personal Savior. Um, And then I want to get into something uh, a little bit more about what has been very important to my my faith and my growth. Uh, So, growing up as a child, my mom would would always tell me, she said, Well, I know you're a Christian because you you invited the Lord into your heart at one of my backyard Bible clubs in San Antonio. And I will never call my mom a liar because she's not a liar. The problem is, is I don't even remember the backyard Bible clubs, much less inviting Jesus into my heart. When I do the math, when we lived in San Antonio, I was four or five years old. So I've always been convinced, or I was always convinced, that... um, that prayer that I apparently prayed with my mom was done out of obedience to my mom more than recognition that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. Fast forward to when I was 13 years old. Um, went to 
a Bible camp with the youth from my church uh, up in the Rockies. This is when we lived in Colorado Springs. And for the very first time, I heard a message from a preacher that made me realize beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was a sinner and that I needed uh, God's grace. I needed salvation. That was the first time it really, truly hit me. And after that sermon, there was uh, an altar call. And for some reason that I can't explain today, I resisted that. I knew I needed it. I can't tell you why. I resisted it at that point. And I regretted that. Um, Coming back from church camp, I think I said the prayer of salvation in my bedroom probably 200 times that next year. But the problem was, and it came from a genuine heart, but the problem was as I had doubts through the whole process. I thought, how do I really know that I'm doing this right, that I'm asking for the right thing? How do, I, how, do I, how do I know that this is really real? And so I'd always said, you know, if someone would help me, and I don't know why I didn't turn to my parents, but I always said if there's someone at church that would help me pray this prayer, I'm going to take them up on it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to reject it again. And I don't know if my church assumed everybody in the congregation was a born-again believer, but there was never any altar calls at that church, and there was never any offers to help um, pray a prayer of salvation. And so um, as the year went on, I told myself, I said, well, when I go to the next Bible camp, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept the invitation when that altar call is given, and I'm going to go up and, 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 and accept Christ as my Savior. And I did that very thing. So when that uh, altar call was given, I think I was the first person out of my chair, um, and I invited Christ into my life at that point. <clears throat> I remember the, the, the gentleman that prayed with me after we prayed. I said, how do I know that, that I did this right? How do I know that that, that this is uh, legitimate and, and, and this is real. And the scripture that he pointed to me was Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I did profess my faith. I, I, told, I told a lot of people at that point that I had... Um, invited Christ into my life. And, and, and at, for the first time, I knew that this was real. A burden was taken off my shoulders, um, and I felt really good. <clears throat> Had one problem, though. I didn't really know how to live for Christ. I didn't really know what that looked like. Um, and I wasn't sure how I was supposed to go about doing that. It was always something that I wanted, but I didn't know how to get there. I knew that I could read my Bible and, and, and perhaps it would come, but so many times I didn't really understand what I was reading. I didn't know where to start in the Bible. I didn't know where to end, and it was one of those things. <clears throat> Fast forward to my mid-20s. Um, the second employer that I uh, got a job with wanted me to relocate from eastern Wisconsin to the Twin Cities, and that was wonderful by me because growing up in a military family, I, I, all I knew was change. You know, every three or four years we were moving, and if I made a friend, they might move in year one because their rotation was done. All I knew was change. My, my relatives, though, were a constant in my life. I, I, and I had wonderful experiences with my cousins and my aunts and uncles and grandparents. So I was really excited about moving back to the Twin Cities. I knew I'd be close to them. Um, I traveled pretty extensively in that job, and I was home on the weekends uh, by myself. And it didn't take long, and I realized I really don't have a lot of friends because I was gone during the week. I didn't have the time to cultivate you know, friendships. And I'd get bored real quick. So I would 
come visit my relatives um, on, a, on a pretty regular base, uh, basis on the weekends. And my favorite relatives to visit were my aunt and uncle um, just south of Fergus who, who farmed. And uh, for the first time in my life, God brought someone into my life that showed me what living for him really looked like, who showed me what a, a strong Christian looked like. My uncle showed me what, how a Christian man treats his wife, how a Christian man treats his family, treats his neighbors. Um, and, and, and I was really raking it in. I, I really absorbed that. I know a lot of times um, I would be spending time with my uncle in, in his shop or in his truck, wherever, and we were always having conversations about this or that. Sometimes they were praises, sometimes they were laments, you know, whatever. We talked about anything and everything. And he would always point me to Scripture on every single conversation. And I can, I can remember it very vividly because he would, he would always say, oh, he said, the word says something right to that, you know, right to what we're talking about. And he says, I think you can find it in Galatians chapter 5. And he says, I think it's verse 4. And he would always say, but it's been a while since I've read this verse, so I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And he would tell me what the verse said. And then he would tie it into the conversation. And then that night I would go look in my Bible and look up that verse, and he was always spot on. He, he, he had a wonderful ability to, to commit Scripture to memory and, and utilize it um, uh, at a very, very meaningful, appropriate time. Paul was involved in a jail ministry program in Fergus, and, and uh, he, he did that for decades. And that was a highlight for him, is to go in twice a week and, and work with the inmates. And he was always sharing with me with stories of some young man that he's been working with, some guy in his 30s or 40s who had been raised in a Christian home, fallen away from his faith, made bad decisions, and found himself in jail. And um, Paul would always say, but I'm really working with this young man, and, and he's really starting to, to shed the layers, and, and, and it's just so encouraging. But he always had a, an encouraging story about someone that he was working with, and that, I could tell, meant so much to him his ability to, to, um, um, to evangelize to those people. My aunt and uncle introduced me to Southern Gospel music. Prior to that, I always thought Southern Gospel music was for men with white hair and women with blue hair. <clears throat> when I first started dating Tracy, she told her mom that I'm really into Southern Gospel music and I like the Gaithers, and I think her mom became very concerned that she was dating a much older man. <laughs> But, you know, we had so much fun. He, 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 he had a library of DVDs of every Southern Gospel music that ever lived, I think. I think he, it was one of the ways he supported them, is he'd buy their DVDs and their CDs. And he, it was unbelievable looking at it. And, and so when I would go out there for a weekend on Friday nights and or Saturday nights, we would go and pick out a DVD to listen to. And we'd go down in his basement where they had a pretty good-sized big-screen TV and, and maybe around 7 o'clock start watching them. My aunt would bring down popcorn and, you know, just had a lot of good memories on that. But I, I always have to laugh when I think about it because it, was, it, it played out the same every week. He would say, oh, Kirk, this is a wonderful song coming up. It just got just wonderful lyrics, and I want you to listen to the words. You've got to listen to the message. And he had the remote, and he would always tap it up about 15 notches. <clears throat> and then about 10 seconds in the song, my aunt would say, Paul, turn that down. It's too loud. And at the end of the song, he would always give it a quick praise, you know, if it was a song of Michael English singing with the Gaithers, 
He would say, man, we serve a forgiving Savior, don't we, Kirk? I'd say, yes, we do. And then the next song, turn it right back up. Oh, this is a wonderful song, Kirk. You've got to listen to the lyrics. This is, this is a great song. Fifteen seconds later, my aunt would say, Paul, it's too loud. Turn it back down. And, and so would the evening go. And I always laugh because my aunt was the one who was half deaf. And she was, <laughs> she was the one telling him to, to turn it down. But he loved his music. He would put his hands in the air and, and just say, woo and, and say something about how wonderful a Savior we serve. <clears throat> November 21st, 2017, Paul needed to have a stint put in his heart. So they went to the Sanford um, Hospital in Fargo. And um, when the surgeon went in, they hit an artery, and they couldn't stop the bleeding, and he bled out on the table. And my aunt um, said it best. She said, you know, she said, I think the Lord honored Paul the way he took him. She said, but it sure is tough for those of us left behind. And I thought, you know, he really did. Paul had been a good and faithful servant. He was put under by an anesthesiologist and probably had very little to no pain. He woke up in, in heaven. He was home. So that was, that was a tough, tough thing for everybody, myself included. But here my aunt sat with, without, our, without her soulmate, um, without her best friend. And here I sat without my real good friend and without my mentor. And I remember thinking, God, I'm, he was not through mentoring me yet. I am not done yet. I don't know why you took him, but I need another mentor. And I, I, I prayed for another mentor. I felt like I was a half-baked cookie in an oven. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't there yet. But you know, the wonderful thing is, is God always provides for our needs, doesn't he? You know, and at that point... Supposed to be watching my phone. I got people calling me. Sorry. At that point, at that point, uh, he brought another mentor into my life. Um, it's funny. Sometimes you don't even ask for mentors, or you don't ask for things, and, and God, He supplies your needs. But the second time, I did ask for a mentor because I knew I needed more help. And uh, I'm not going to paint a big picture of who this second gentleman is because it'd be redundant. You all know him. His name is Lindell. Um, Lindell had a lot of the same traits that Paul had. Um, he loved the Lord, loves the Lord with all his heart, um, loves to bring people to Jesus. And for those who know Jesus, he wants nothing more than to see you grow in your faith. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily the things that Lindell would tell me. It was the things that I observed silently, where I learned a lot from him. So, <clears throat> you know, these men believed in me. And more importantly, they were intentional in their faith. They were ambassadors for God and God's word. And because of their faithfulness, God was able to use these men when someone else needed them. You know, in the book of Matthew, it talks about um, how the evidence of our faith is found in how we act. And I don't believe these men even knew that they were mentoring me because I never asked them to mentor me, and they never asked me if, if I wanted them to mentor me. It just was something that happened organically. But Matthew talks about treating all people as if we were encountering Jesus himself. In chapter 25, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to you that you've all heard um, before, but I just want to read these. In chapter 25, verse 37 through 40, it's when God's talking, separating the true believers from the pretenders. He has the pretenders on his left and the true believers on his right. It says um, Jesus turns to those on his right, and he thanks this group um, because of what they have done. 
And they respond, starting in verse 37, The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And in verse 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So these gentlemen didn't know that they were even being used by God, but they were. And they were because they had been faithful to God, and God, God was able to use them. You know, everyone's wired differently. I'm a visual learner. I need to see someone live out their faith. I need to see a man who, who shows me what living for Christ looks like. After I was invited Christ in my life, you could have given me a Bible and said, well, here we go. And that wouldn't have gone real far, at least with me. <clears throat> but the beautiful thing is, is God knew I needed mentors. And even before I asked, he provided them for me. And, you know, <clears throat> it's a good lesson that we're all being watched. You know, you, you can be a mentor to someone and not even know it. We're all being watched by each other and, more importantly, by people outside of this church, by non-believers. And, you know, I guess the, the, the last thing I want to say is you guys have all mentored me too. You know, I see Christ in all you guys. I really do. Um, maybe it's something you said. Maybe it was something you did, but I really do. Whether it was <clears throat> something little like Linda Palo giving me a gas card when Tracy was in the hospital. She knew I was putting a lot of miles on my car going back and forth visiting her. She gave me some preloaded gas card to go visit Tracy. <clears throat> you know, back in May when the tornado ripped through the Fisness farm, took so much of the Fisness family's farm and house and everything, Never once did you hear a crossword, a complaint, a gripe, a groan. All I heard was, thank God he sent angels to save my family while I was gone, couldn't be here. That's how a Christian family reacts to adversity. So all you guys have mentored me in little ways and probably don't even know it. But I just would encourage you to, to be available to God because he's using you maybe when you are least expecting it. So thanks for letting me share my testimony. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K J O L H A U G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>